Meet Dr. Frank King, the founder of King Bio, a local manufacturer of natural products since 1989 here in Asheville. For over 40 years, Dr. King has been helping people and pets overcome chronic, recurring, and so-called incurable ailments by following simple, natural, and safe remedies and principles. Dr. King's full range of natural products can be found online at kingbio.com or find select products in your local health food, Ingalls, CVS, and Walgreens stores. His book, The Healing Revolution, is available at kingbio.com. Kindle or Amazon.com. Welcome to the Healing Revolution on 880 The Revolution. And we're back with the Healing Revolution here on 880 The Revolution. I'm Randy Houston in with Dr. Frank King. Good good afternoon, Dr. King. How are you? Oh, it's a great afternoon and beautiful weekend. I'm loving it always. And so I'll want to enjoy a guest today. We have the, one of the, my favorites of all guests. So looking uh, forward to this. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you, last week we talked about cancer and yeah. uh, a lot of things, what we can do uh, to realize there's a lot more to do about cancer than what's being offered. And uh, that was a great lead in to my special guest today. Uh, his name is Ty Bollinger. And uh, believe me, uh, he's well known throughout the world. Uh, uh, you know, he's really quite a phenomenal person. I've had a blessing and an opportunity to to uh, get to know Ty and his wonderful family, his lovely wife, uh, Charlene, and uh, in, in children. Uh, just a great family. And uh, I just got to tell you a few things about Ty so you know what we're talking about here. Please do, Doc. Please yeah. do. Yeah, and, and Ty uh, has been, you know, he started out as a CPA of all unique things. Okay. And uh, he was actually a competitive bodybuilder. Uh, and I think he, uh, you know, when he, I think he got his great uh, fame when he defeated uh uh, you know, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I think it was, wasn't it, Ty? Did, uh, you you just uh, worked him down to the ground on the stage there, and uh, he gave up and, uh, and and crawled away, and Ty was the champion. But uh, however that was, I don't remember it exactly, but uh, he's a best-selling author. You know, he's had great tragedy in his life and uh, losing a lot of family members to cancer, including both his parents, uh, and it really led Ty into to what I think is his, you know, maybe purpose on the planet, if you will. And, and in that, he actually began to research cancer and try to understand this devastating uh, disease. And in that process, he began to uncover a lot of wonderful truths. And uh, from those truths, he actually has a best-selling book called uh, Cancer, Step Outside of the Box. You know, he has uh, lots of programs where he shares and speaks about the, the truth about cancer. And uh, he's actually been uh, in uncovered a lot of uh, shocking uh, truths that uh, he's going to share with us, I'm sure, today, uh, you know, and really starting to understand some of this, uh, you know, what is behind cancer? What is the real deal? And, you know, none of us, I, I've never been uh, a conspiracy theorist, and I know Ty isn't, but we are uh, not a naivist as well. If that, you know, I think that's a word, isn't it? Yeah, I think it yeah. can be today. It is. Yeah. Uh, it, I think we understand what that means. Exactly. And when you're when you 
jump out into things in the world and you begin to learn a lot and you dive into some of these forces within the world and you begin to discover certain truths. And uh, and Ty's going to bring a lot of these truths because I think we all can relate to cancer. Every time I speak out there, it could be a thousand people and say, and I ask how many people here have had cancer personally, and only about 10% of the hands might go up. But I said, how many people here have had cancer in their family? And just about Oh, probably ninety some percent of the you know the audience will raise their hand, and so this is touching us all very personally. Uh, if even if it's not you, it's somebody personal in your family or close friend, and so there are some wonderful truths to help liberate us from the limitations uh, of what's available to deal with cancer. And even better, we talked about last week, even as well as how to prevent Prevention, cancer. Yeah. And it's a very proactive thing that we can do to really not only just survive in this 21st century, but actually thrive in this 21st century. So I think, uh, Ty, I, uh, my, you've done, uh, you've written more books, uh, but I'm going to just really want to turn this over to you to uh, just give us uh, some of your insights and uh, to begin uh, to bring our audience down this wonderful, beautiful, proactive journey into how we can address what I call one of the greatest uh, predators of the 21st century, cancer. Welcome, Ty. Hey, thanks, Randy. Thank you, Dr. King. Good to be on the show today. So, um, so where do I start? I guess I'll, I'll start with where how I became personally involved Please. with cancer. Um, you know, as you mentioned, it was uh, I, I have a degree in accounting. I'm a CPA. Um, my recollection of, of competing against Arnold Schwarzenegger wasn't wasn't quite what you described, <laughs> but um, you know that sounded great. So let's we'll roll with that one. <laughs> You're welcome. Arnold still bows to you today. I hear. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. Uh, but uh, you know, yeah. So I got out of school. Got out of Baylor, 1991, with a degree in accounting and a master's in taxation. I was working for a large accounting firm, and uh, that, thought that would be the direction of my life. Got married in 1995 to my, my princess, Charlene, who's still my wife now, 22 years later. And um, about six months after we got married, we headed over to mom and dad's house for dinner one night. And while we were sitting at the, the dinner table, this was July the 1st, 1996, my dad doubled over in pain. And so we knew something was wrong. Dad, Dad was a pretty big, tough, strong guy, and if he doubled over in pain, it was there's something wrong. So we took him to the hospital, and they thought he had gallstones, and they went in to take out the gallstones, and they came out several hours later, and the surgeon said, "Oh, it's cancer. It's so advanced, and he's so young." And it, he was just almost in tears, and um, my mom j- collapsed at that point. I remember, and it was just such a shock that that you know this big, strong man had cancer, and. So we didn't know what to do. The, the surgeon said, well, we've got to remove all the tumors. So they cut out about 75% of his stomach, and they sewed him back up the best they could, but didn't do a very good job of sewing him up. And basically over the next 25 days, my dad bled to death. He had 19 blood transfusions in the next 25 days. And on July the 25th, 1996, at the age of 52, he died. And uh, that was our first experience you know, personally with cancer. The uh, The prognosis was that dad would be would have two years when they diagnosed the cancer if he, if he if he didn't treat it he had 25 days and you know we uh, that was the first time that we we saw 
the treatment for cancer actually shortening someone's life compared to the cancer itself. We didn't know that at the time. You know, we thought Dad had died of cancer, but, you know, as we look back, the reality is he died of the, the surgery. The surgery killed him. That wasn't an intentional, you know, killing. The surgeons didn't say, hey, let's, let's cut this guy's stomach out and make him bleed to death. That's just the protocol they were taught when they were in medical school is that you have tumors in the stomach, you cut them out. Even though, you know, it would have been better just to sew him up and he could have lived two years is what the, the prognosis was. Now he's, he died in 25 days. And, you know, we saw that over the course of the next several years after Dad died with other family members, culminating with my mother dying in 2004 of cancer. Well, really, I guess she, she died as a result of, of surgery as well. And we saw my grandmother, grandfathers, uh, during that, that time period between the time mom and dad died, they, they died of the treatments for the cancer rather than the cancer itself, I, I, I firmly believe. So that was really mind-boggling to us. It, it really was shocking that here we are as advanced as we are in certain areas of medicine, and, you know, no one, no one will deny that we're extremely advanced when it comes to, you know, laser surgery or, um, uh, you know, some of these transplants. You can transplant brains now and put new eyes in. I mean, it's just really amazing what we, we can do medically. But as advanced as we are um, with, with, with that type of surgery, we were shocked at how we still felt we were in the dark ages when it came to treating cancer because nobody seemed to have any answers. It was almost as if you're diagnosed with cancer, the oncologist is in shock like a deer in the headlights, and they're like, well, let's start chemo radiation as soon as possible. We, we, we're so sorry. And, you know, that mentality in and of itself is enough to put somebody on a spiral towards death when the oncologist it doesn't know what to do. So we didn't get it. And as we began to research over the next several years after my dad died and my mom died and many other family members died, we began to learn that there are effective treatments for cancer that are out there, but they're not taught to doctors in medical school, and they're not widely used in medical, medical uh, in, in hospitals across the country. And not only that, if, if a doctor tries to use these protocols, these natural effective remedies for cancer, he might face persecution, might even lose his license or her license, or might even be run out of the country, as we saw in many cases, as we read the history of the cancer industry over the last 80 years. So that was the impetus that gave rise to, to the book, Cancer Step Outside the Box, in 2006. And it's just been a snowball since then. <laughs> well, I never, never, never yeah. dreamed that I'd be doing this full time mm -hmm. now, but I'm thankful to be able to shed, share the truth about cancer with so many people now. No, Ty, just to add to that, I was just speaking to a, a local integrative a medical doctor here in town and uh, his wife, an RN. Wonderful people have a true heart of healing in them, a uh, real passion for healing, been around and practiced all their lives. Uh, he's in his 60s now. And uh, he was just saying and sharing with me, you know, that they don't can't even take insurance right now because insurance will block them. Uh, you know, the insurances companies will t even you not know, just the medical profession, which is true. He says they, the other doctors in town don't want to communicate with an integrative practitioner because that puts them in a bad position uh, in the hierarchy of medicine. And so, you know, he has difficulties, you know, with getting all 
actually doing even referrals. Uh, he has difficulties, uh, you know, of course, dealing with insurance. Well, they will even try to, in your good nature and a pure heart that I know the, you know, this, these people have, uh, this practitioner has, that even then uh, he they will blackmail him and, and actually he might even have to go to court on uh, insurance frauds and uh, they can just control the practitioner in so many ways where the majority of practitioners today do, you know, if they had it to do over again, would choose not to go into medicine. Yeah, you know, and, that, and that's sad because I, I do truly believe that most practitioners that are out there are doing it with, with good intentions. Uh, you know, most doctors are good people. They got into it with, with, with good intentions. They wanted to help people. And, um, and, and I think they realize, they begin to realize somewhere going through medical school, many of them, that, that the system's broken. You know, it's, the problem is, is not the people. It's the system. And it's the system's rigged. The medical school education, as you know, has been hijacked over 100 years ago due to the Flexner Report and the, 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 uh, that's, that's why pharmaceutical drugs have played such a big part in treating today. You know, it's, it's interesting. I don't know anybody that has cancer because they're deficient in chemotherapy, right? But that's, that's the way we treat sad. cancer. So that makes no sense. It makes no sense. You know, cancer is an imbalance in the body. It's, it's a result of toxicity. It's a result of poor nutrition and a whole host of other things. So how do we treat it? Do we correct the imbalance in the body? Do we correct nutrition? Do we detoxify? No, we put toxic chemicals into the body and say that's going to heal you. It just makes no sense. The paradigm needs to change. Right. They take you almost to death, and hopefully that shocks the body into, uh, you know, the cancer dying. But, you know, it's an old uh, germ warfare method. And, you know, it's, it's just horrible. You know, when I look back at the beginning of medicine, they used the same type of tactics, by the way, and that still continues today. And that is they did mercury purges back then. And they'd give huge yeah. toxic doses of mercury that would purge the body and, uh, and, and bring it to healing. And the other thing they did yeah. was they did bloodletting, where they had special instruments where they cut you and bleed you almost to death in hopes that that would recharge the body, re-spark, re reset the body to heal. Or they'd use leeches, and and yep. you know, and use the leeches to drain uh, blood to almost death out of your body, and so you would, now those two have things have been outlawed, but they're very closely uh, cousins, if you would, to uh, what you mentioned, uh, the chemotherapy and the radiation. Yeah, they they are. They're very similar. Um, you know, as as a matter of fact, I, I believe that that George Washington died as a result of bloodletting. So, you know, we look back over these, these, quote, approved treatments and these approved protocols over the years, whether it's mercury poisoning or um, what would you call it, mercury shocking, mercury purging? Yes, yes. <laughs> so mercury purging or bloodletting. You know, we look at some of these things and we, and we look at them now as just being barbaric, but those were the approved protocols of the day. And I truly believe that one day we'll look back on chemotherapy and radiation in the same manner and say, wow, I can't believe that they used to treat cancer that way. But that's what, that is the protocol today. It is, and I believe you have a lot of common sense here as far as uh, helping share with our listeners, uh, you know, some things outside the box, if you would, uh, of what to do. 
Well, sure. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, Dr. King, I, I believe that, that cancer, and, and this is not just my belief, but it's, it's a, the commonly held belief of many of the doctors that I interviewed for the, for the documentaries that we produced over the last few years, that cancer is a, is a disease that results from a, a, a toxic environment in the body and a deficiency in nutrition. So when you couple a d deficiency with toxicity, you get the breeding ground for cancer. And so then what can we do to prevent cancer? What can we do to treat cancer? Well, to prevent it, you want to try to stay as, as less toxic as possible, if that's a word, <laughs> that's a phrase that I should be using, as minimize your toxicity. So we need to detoxify our bodies. You know, if we look at the difference between today and 100 years ago, and, and you know, 100 years ago we had one in 80 people diagnosed with cancer. Today it's one in two men, one in three women, according to the World Health Organization, are going to face cancer diagnosis in their lifetime. What's the difference? You know, let me ask you a question, Dr. King. Is it possible that, that, that cancer is a genetic disease in light of the fact that 100 years ago, just two generations ago, we had one in 80 and now it's one in two? Is it even possible that cancer is genetic? <laughs> well, uh, I know there's, uh, you we're very well said, there are, there are two factors that come to my mind, Ty, and that is, uh, you know, genes don't change that fast. Uh, you know, the genetics cannot really change, although they see patterns now because the actual toxicities and deficiencies and imbalances, the traumas that occur inside one's body can, those, those weaknesses are passed on uh, to our offspring. And if we're wanting to, a lot of times people don't want to make the changes for themselves, but when you start talking to them about saying what changes you make in your life can also help, you know, with your future offspring as well, because right. there is a epigenomic factor, which is real, but you know, the root cause being genetics. Oh no. The, but the good news is we can change our genetics as well as we can change our nutrition and we can detoxify in this toxic world that we live in today. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's no doubt that, that there is a genetic uh, factor in, in cancer, and there's no doubt that, that it, what you just said, Dr. King, is, is absolutely correct, that, that toxicity of the parents can be passed down to the, to the children and, and so forth. So there is this snowball effect. But it, it's also true that, as you just said, gen, genetics don't change that quickly. You know, genes don't change in, in 100 years. Now, you know, maybe if it was 1,000 years, you'd say, well, you know, we've seen this gradual genetic changes over the years, and we're seeing a lot more of genetically-based cancer today. But that's not the case. I mean, even the American Cancer Society, on their own website, they've got a PDF document called Cancer Facts and Figures, and they they state in there that that I, th I think it's 85% of cancers are due to environmental factors, and only five to 10% of them have genetic influence. So it's it's odd that that most medical doctors today I I believe would tell you that cancer is is uh, there's a there's a large genetic influence on cancer, but the American Cancer Society does not say that. <laughs> they they mm -hmm. mention the five to 10% figure in their own document. The majority of cancers are being caused by environmental toxicity, and that's, and that's what has changed. You know, 100 years ago, we go back to the 1 in 80 cancer diagnosis. What did our grandparents eat? Well, I don't know about you, but I don't know what my grandparents ate. I, my grandparents lived on a farm. My grand, one granddad was a rancher. 
and he had cows and chickens and grew his own vegetables and they milked their goats and and um you know he he ate he ate uh, um food that we might look at today as a wow i can't believe he didn't die of a heart attack when he was 30 because he ate bacon and eggs and cheese and butter but it was all produced from his farm from his animals that were not being fed genetically modified grains that were not being injected with steroids that were not his crops were not sprayed with pesticides there was no genetically modified organisms at that time you know um he didn't drink soda pop he drank his own well water and we and, and everything that they ate was just in pretty close to a natural state it was real food and today <laughs> you know the food pyramid uh you know back then the food pyramid was was grains and vegetables and fruits and meats and cheeses and milks and today the food pyramid is everything in it it has either a box or a bag because it's all packaged mm-hmm. you know, adulterated so, foods will create adulterations in one's life and uh, I know we're yeah. uh, coming right to a, uh, a short uh, intermission here where we want to come back and get deeper into this subject of cancer sure. thank you Ty you guys stand by we'll be right back Dr. King's Natural Medicine features over 150 products specially formulated for everything that ails you, from allergies, memory loss, and fatigue, to sports performance and sexual health. Dr. King's Natural Medicine has been providing safe, natural medicines for the entire family for more than 25 years. Dr. King's products have no known harmful side effects, no known negative drug interactions, and no known contraindications. Dr. King's natural medicine products include oral sprays, topical oils, and topical creams. Visit kingbio.com for Dr. King's full line of healing products. This is The Healing Revolution on 880 The Revolution, Asheville's progressive talk. We're back on The Healing Revolution here on 880 The Revolution, always learning from Dr. Frank King about uh, this time really preventive methods and prevention of the dreaded disease of cancer. And we have a special guest with us today, Dr. King. I'm enjoying the conversation that you're having. As am I. Yeah, I really am. So, so I'll turn it back over to you guys. Well, Ty, you're uh, just touching into some of the things that I, uh, we have shared in the last show, our show last week, about uh, a lot of the things that people can do about uh, cancer. And we'd certainly like to hear more of that uh, from you and, and learn more about uh, your insights, uh, your discoveries over decades now of, uh, of strategic and fully committed focus uh, into uh, this uh, manifestations of uh, crazy manifestations of cancer in today's world and some of the lo- natural logical uh, solutions. We, uh, definitely we want and our listeners want to hear more and learn more about what they can do. Sure. You know, I was, I, I was up in Toronto about a month ago and speaking at a conference and um, I was on a panel that was hosted by George Norrie, the, the host for Coast to Coast AM. You know who George is? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So George was, we were, George, George interviewed me for the first time about eight years ago on his show. And I think it was about eight years ago. And we were talking about a story that one of the callers shared as he called in. 
And uh, George and I had been talking about, on that show about eight years ago, we were talking about how expensive chemotherapy is and, um, and how there's, there's, this, there's this huge money focus in the cancer industry to, to, to push these really, really expensive treatments. And, and I had mentioned at that time that, that I, I was aware of experimental chemotherapy drugs that were $50,000 per shot, per, per, per dose, right? $50,000. Mm. Um, we got a call in from a, from a caller shortly thereafter. He said, well, you're a little bit low. My mother just went in for an experimental chemo, $70,000 for the first dose. He said um, his mother had gone to a general practitioner for her annual checkup. They found a lump somewhere. And um, they, after they found the lump, they were, she was rushed in to speak to the oncologist because they just determined that it was cancer and that she was going to die if she didn't get on chemo the next day, right? And it's this fear tactic that's used. I mean, the people are scared to death. Now, now, keep in mind that this, this, this elderly lady was, I think she was in her early 70s, if I remember correctly. She had no symptoms of cancer. She went into the general practitioner for an annual checkup. She was feeling fine. No symptoms of cancer. They did some scans, found a lump, rushed her in as quickly as possible to start this experimental chemo because she was going to die, according to the oncologist, if she didn't do it. And the man said that in 14 days, she did die. She died from the chemotherapy, and it took two weeks to kill his mother. Um, and this is a story that's just so sad to me, and it's repeating over and over and over across the country. I get co connected and contacted by people all over the world, literally, that share the same story. Mom or dad or my wife or my husband was diagnosed with cancer. No symptoms. It was just a, you know, it was a scan. They found cancer. They were feeling fine. They were told that they would die if they didn't need the chemo. And so we started them on chemo, and now they're dead. Um, it's so sad. I, I don't understand how some of these, the, the people that are pushing these chemo drugs that are killing people aren't being held accountable. It's, it's very sad to me. Yes, and I'm also shocked, too, the fact that there are not more oncologists coming forward you know, with this, uh, tr these truths. And uh, this is reality. This is, uh, you know, we're not, you know, creating a, you know, the sky is falling here, but this is very much real. I, I, I remember both my grandparents, well, they actually passed away before I was even born, but I was born very late in my family, but they were all both, all in their 90s, and and they, they passed away. They died by, they fell asleep. They went to sleep. They worked all that day, had a wonderful day. They went to sleep, and they never woke up the next morning. And, you know, we, that used to be a common way of passing. And today, we, we've, you know, it's been, that's been, uh, that's, that's almost disappeared. Uh, because, it, has, you know, it has disappeared. Yes. It's so sad. Um, you know, now the typical way that we, that we see people dying is much too young. Mm -hmm. In a hospital, hooked up to a bunch of IVs, you know, with being being pumped with chemicals. That's just not the. It shouldn't be that way. Yes. It shouldn't be that way at all. Yeah, there's, you know, we call there's, you know, our lifespan is increasing, but our health span is, de you know, decreasing. And and now they're saying this generation will be the first generation that will live sicker and die sooner than their parents. So you know we're facing with now we see the swing back uh, opposite here. Yes, we've mm -hmm. 
we, we our lifespan's been increasing pri- primarily due to the fact that we've you know cleaned up some things in our environment and made other things worse and we're seeing uh, that's always been associated with environment. You know, the great plagues were all associated with the fact that there were feces in the streets and they, they did not have sanitation. And uh, and when they cleaned up sanitation is when the great plagues really uh, dis- began to disappear. And uh, today we see the next sanitation issue, I call it the 20th predators of the 21st century, are those predators that, you know, we don't see and hear like the saber-toothed tiger. You know, we don't, you know, these are predators called toxins. Uh, these are predators that's uh, embedded into our foods. Uh, they're used in uh, our environment. Uh, toxins that are, uh, you know, attacking us and uh, and impairing us and and and, and leading to uh, sometimes a quick and sometimes a slow death. So uh, yes, now we need to be smarter because we don't see the toxins, we can't hear them, we can't smell them. You know, there and uh, it's quite a deceptive thing in the what you called Ty earlier the system, if you would, that we're living in. It's an economic and political system that creates certain uh, uh, maybe education and programming into people. And I notice a lot of the doctors that get picked for that make, you know, that meet the criteria to go into medical school, many times these doctors have a profile, Ty, I don't know if you've studied this or not, Uh, I'd like to hear more if you have, that they have a profile of acceptance. They have a maybe a submissiveness to, uh, you know, accepting everything that they are taught, uh, maybe where they're not quite, a, you know, if they buck the system, they, 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 that profile pops up and, uh, and they get excluded from going to medical school. Have you, have you looked into that at all? Well, yeah, I mean, you, you pretty much have to conform. Yeah, and that's and I've heard that from many many medical doctors that I've interviewed is that you know you, yeah I mean they they are literally the most brainwashed people I think on the planet going through medical school. You've got to conform. This is this is their dogma. This is the curriculum. This is the gospel truth. Learn it, memorize it, regurgitate it, and then you become a doctor. Not that doctors aren't good people. Not that they're not smart people. I don't know that I could have ever made it through medical school. I mean, it, the vast amounts of information that they have to learn to pass those tests is incredible. So we got some brilliant people, but the problem is that even a brilliant person can't doesn't know about something that they're not taught. And so again, we go back to the curriculum being the problem. The system's broken because the medical school curriculum has been co-opted due to the Flexner Report of 1910. And that's when the medical schools were taken over by big business in order to push chemical drugs. Yeah, one and, of the uh, uh, one of the uh, we thought they got rid of all the monopolies, <laughs> except <laughs> one major monopoly that continued to exist, uh, and that's the medical monopoly. Yeah, there there is. A, I believe that there is a huge medical monopoly today, and I think the reason. Somebody asked me this on an interview just a couple of days ago. Well, why don't people recognize this medical monopoly? I think the reason is, you know, when, when they broke up Standard Oil, it was one big company. And, they, you know, people realized that was a monopoly. When they broke up the Bell Telephone Companies, they realized that was a monopoly. It was one big, big company. But there's so many different players in this medical monopoly. There's different 
different pieces of the monopoly that they all come together as one big overarching um, what would you call it cartel I guess so you got the, be a you good got word. the, the yeah you got the hospital system you got the insurance companies you've got the the um, the medical institutions you've got the pharmaceutical industry and they all come together and they're all making a ton of money on these this, these treatments that are not healing but are actually keeping people sick and perpetuating illness rather than healing. And so it, it is a medical monopoly. And, and again, we go back to the, the why are the doctors not um, educated on these natural modalities? Cause, because they weren't taught right. it. And, and even a genius can't teach you something right. they haven't been taught themselves. And they were taught that if, if somebody has a symptom, then you treat it with this drug. And that's what really, so we look at cancer, cancer is a symptom. Right. Yes. So if you have if you have um, a tumor, so what's what is the oncologist going to tell you to do? The oncologist is going to tell you that we need to cut it out or poison it with chemo or burn it with radiation. So we're going to get rid of that tumor. So and, and the, 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 the treatments that we have today for cancer are pretty effective at getting rid of tumors. Most of the time. Now, a lot of times the tumors come back, but the reason is that the tumor is not the problem. It's a symptom of the problem. And so while chemotherapy may be very effective at shrinking tumors, it may be, radiation may be very effective at burning tumors, and surgery is definitely effective at cutting tumors out, the tumors are just a symptom that something's wrong in the body. And if you don't fix the underlying imbalance in the body, the tumors always come back because they're a symptom. There's something wrong. I, was, I mentioned speaking in Toronto recently, and one of the doctors up there, I can't remember who it was, but it's just really appropriate comment. He said, look, if you've got, I think he was talking about a crying baby that had been damaged from vaccines. He said, you've got a crying baby that's crying all the time. They're damaged. There's some kind of an underlying problem there. But if you take duct tape and you put it over the baby's mouth, then the crying will stop. But you haven't <laughs> fixed the baby's problem. You've right. just, you've masked the symptom. Yes. And that's kind of what chemo and radiation do. They mask the symptoms of cancer without getting to the root of cancer. Very well said, uh, Ty. And that's is we're all about, you know, the, the finding the causes. And, you know, and that's something that, you know, when you ask uh, a lot of practitioners today, well, what is the cause? Well, we really don't know. And, you know, but but no one's really searching and, and working to looking at there's a lot of logical causes that you can put two and two together and uh, and that they're not doing that. Uh, you know, it's almost shocking that this, this scam has gone on so long. And uh, and I really do call it a scam uh, that's probably uh, destroyed the lives of pe more people than all the wars, than all the natural disasters, than all the accidents in the world in total. Uh, nothing comes close to the lives that have been taken, uh, families that have been robbed of family members prematurely, all due to disease. I agree. It, and, and, you know, the sad thing is that not only are diseases uh, pervasive today, but the treatments for many diseases are killing more people than the diseases themselves. And that not only that when I'm just not just talking about cancer, but if we look at vaccinations, you know, a total, total different ball of wax here. But we, we have all of these diseases that are now being perpetuated 
being shed by people that have been vaccinated for those very diseases. And we, I don't know if you want to get into that or not, but that's I recently produced a documentary on vaccines, and, and I learned that. Yes. We actually have a guest coming on here, I believe, in the next week uh, and that specializes as an attorney here in town. Ty, I think you may have met him at our Healing Revolution Summit, but specializes in helping people uh, deal with all the complexities when it, of coming when it comes to on uh, with forced vaccinations and uh, and how to deal with that. Uh, it's amazing. Who, who's coming on the show? Uh, that's uh, Philip. I can't remember his uh, name. Phil- He's an attorney that. Inter- uh, Alan uh, Phillips? Yeah, Alan Phillips. Alan Phillips, yeah, yes. Yeah, I know Alan. Okay, right. Yeah, and Alan's right here in our town, right here in Hendersonville, uh, next to Asheville. And uh, and Alan's a uh, uh, going to be a, his second appearance here on our show and, right. uh, and dealing with. Um, you know these issues, especially within divorce situations, where one parent uh, is pro-vaccine and the other's not. Guess which parent gets the children? Uh, oh yeah, so, oh, pro-vaccine. And so, you know, the system is uh, stacked against it, uh, as you said. And uh, we really need to start looking at logical truths about the causes and 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 be get proactive. And the more proactive we become, the more preventative we will be. And uh, Ty, I'm really excited to hear more about what you're finding uh, and how to uh, to live and uh, in not only help deal with cancer, maybe, but also, you know, what to do when you do have cancer, but what to do before you get cancer. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the key, isn't it, Dr. King? I mean, we don't want to be reactive. We want to be proactive. We want to prevent disease. And so, you know, the, the cure is the prevention, or the prevention is the cure, right? And so yes. here's, here's the key in preventing cancer is, is minimizing toxicity and making sure that we don't have a deficiency in good nutrition. As simple as that sounds, look, when you, when you remove the obstacles to healing, the toxins, and when you provide the body with the fuel that it needs to run the way that it was intended to, guess what? It runs the way that it was intended to. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's not rocket science. It seems so simple. But, again, look at the typical standard American diet, the SAD diet. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got, we've got the majority of children today. I just read an article about this. By the time that 2 p.m. hits in the afternoon, well, 2 p.m. typically is afternoon, isn't it? That's, that's like double repetition, double repetition, <laughs> isn't it? Um, by the time 2 p.m. hits, they surveyed school children across the United States. Wow. A majority of school children have not had one fresh vegetable or fr- piece of fruit all day. They've not had anything fresh by 2 p.m. Mm. How on earth can you be healthy if all you're eating is prepackaged, dead, genetically modified, pesticide-laden food stuff in a box or in a bag until by, before 2 p.m. and that you haven't had any nutrition? It's impossible for your body to run properly. If you don't get the proper nutrients, yes, you know there's, uh, a, you know, a new th- stat that's out is, you know, the average child gets ten thousand impressions uh, for junk food uh, per year, ten thousand impressions, uh, you know, from advertising. Now, if you talk to your children, uh, three meals a day, 
Every at every meal, family meal, we get together and we talk and we share knowledge about nutrition and health, and uh, that's three times three hundred and sixty-five. Help me out on the math, Randy. But we're about Less a, than a thousand. That, yeah, about a thousand. We're yeah. giving our children only a thousand impressions for healthy yeah. eating versus ten thousand that uh, commercial that they're getting from commercialization. So we're wow. we, it's uh, we're really dealing with uh, you know a dynamic here and programming as you said earlier you know and uh, you know so really it's hopefully as parents one of the greatest things we can do is be uh, good examples for our children and uh, and and so uh, I encourage parents out there you know this is something where we can begin to change this. Uh, and uh, and begin to see uh, and do the greatest good you can do, not just for yourselves, but even more so for your parent, for your children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it, that's true. I mean, children need to be educated. You know, hopefully, we're doing a, a good job with our children, educating them about nutrition. On, um, you know, they're they they make good choices. We hope that they make good choices when they get out from underneath our roof. You know, now we make them make good choices. But, um, you know, the key it really is education. And, and I think that once children begin to see, you know, they, they, they learn about the dangers of you know, pesticides or genetically modified food. They see the, the way that the GMO foods have been shown to give rats enormous cancerous tumors. You know, that truth in and of itself is enough to push them away and make them be more cognizant of their choices. You know, and I know... Um, when my kids have been able to see me lecture and I'll talk about the Seralini study with the genetically modified corn being fed to the rats and the huge tumors that developed on the rats, you know, those visuals are enough in and of themselves to, to, to shy kids away from eating some of this stuff that has GMOs in it. The, the problem is that kids aren't being taught that. They're not being taught about the dangers of GMOs. As a matter of fact, they're being taught by, um, by uh, textbooks that uh, have been compromised, that potentially have financial ties to companies like Monsanto that produce the genetically modified organisms that have been telling us for years that they're safe, despite, despite the fact, look, here's, people have heard that genetically modified organisms are safe and they're going to feed the world. I know you've heard that. People that are listening have heard that because mm -hmm. that's the popular mantra. That's what Monsanto tells us. But the people don't understand that Monsanto does not feed their own food to their own employees in their cafeteria. They feed organic. I don't know why they would do that if their food was so good for you. <laughs> the people don't understand that the studies that were done by Monsanto on the genetically modified crops were the same exact studies that were done by the scientists in France that determined that the crops gave ca the, the, the rats cancerous tumors. They had the same parameters. They had the same kind of rats. They had the same number of rats in their studies. The only thing that differentiated Monsanto's study from the other studies that showed cancer was Monsanto only studied the rats for 90 days. And what the group of scientists in, in France, led by a, a lead scientist named Seralini, what they determined was that at about 120 to 150 days is when the rats started getting the cancerous tumors. Mm -hmm. So Monsanto basically did the equivalent of holding someone under the water for five seconds and pull, pulling their head up and then saying they just proved that water does not cause drowning. Well, you give it enough time and it will. And yes. what the scientists in France found is that when you feed these rats genetically modified corn and you watch them longer than 90 days, that at around 120 to 150 days, they start getting cancer. 
And by the time the two-year experiment was over, I believe 80% of them had either died prematurely or had cancer. So that's the study that shows that GMOs are dangerous. Monsanto did a fraudulent study. They pulled the plug too early. Yes. And, but that's the study that's always referred to that, that, to show that GMOs are safe. Well said, Ty. And uh, we have, we're going to uh, come back, and uh, we want to share uh, with you what Ty has to offer, some wonderful documentaries uh, Ty has put together, uh, and some more information, free, lots of free information, too, to begin your journey into a cancer-free life. Stand by, guys. This is fascinating and common-sense conversation. We'll be back to it in just a moment. We'll take a break and be back on The Healing Revolution with Dr. Frank. Dr. King's flagship farm is now open for tours. Located in Leicester, North Carolina, 15 minutes from downtown Asheville, Dr. King's tour promotes soil to sustenance. Visitors enjoy breathtaking views of the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains with a variety of animals, including bison, African Watusi, elk, camels, deer, and yak. Feed milking camels and see rare white bison and marvel at the largest horned cattle in the world, the African Watusi. To make your reservations or for questions, please visit carolinabison.com. This is The Healing Revolution on 880 The Revolution, Asheville's progressive talk. Welcome back to The Healing Revolution here on 880 The Revolution, The Healing Revolution with Dr. Frank King from King Bio. And if you want more information about King Bio and Dr. King and the things that we're talking about here and some of the things that we've talked about in weeks past, you can go to drkings.com, drkings.com, and find all of that information and a lot more. Mm-hmm. And in this final segment, Dr. King with Ty, we're going to be talking about how to how to get hooked up, how, how everybody can get together here do, uh, yes. with you. Yes, Ty, Ty Bollinger has tremendous information uh, on this topic that will empower people. Uh, I uh, do encourage everybody to follow up on uh, Ty's site. And Ty, I want to turn that over to you where we can start giving people those vi- this vital, life-changing, life-saving information. Well, uh, yeah, thank you, Dr. King and, and, um, and Randy. And, and so the main website for the information on cancer is thetruthaboutcancer.com. And people can go there and read through hundreds, if not thousands, of articles that we've written over the last few years. Um, and, that, that, and that's where uh, we've, we've done several documentaries on cancer. One was the first one in 2014 was called The Quest for the Cures. And then we filmed The Quest for the Cures Continues. And then we've, the last documentary that we did on cancer was uh, The Global Quest. So that's all available there on, on that website. Um, if you're looking for information on vaccines, you can go to thetruthaboutvaccines.com. And that's where we, um, we just launched uh, our last documentary in April of 2017, just earlier this year, on vaccines. And that was pretty fascinating as well because, you know, over the years I began to see with researching and with interviewing many medical doctors, I, I began to see this link between vaccines and cancer. So that was, that was really the next logical step was to, to address vaccines because many people don't, don't realize that even the CDC admits on its own website that I think upwards of 98 million people um, were exposed to the were, were injected with polio virus that contained uh, cancer-causing 
uh, I'm sorry, they were, they were injected with polio vaccine that contained a cancer-causing virus called simian virus 40. This was back in the late 1950s. The polio vaccine was contaminated with, because they were being cultured in monkey kidneys with rhesus monkeys, and there was this virus called SV40 that was uh, that contaminated the polio vaccine back then, and and we've seen thousands of cases of uh, blood cancers since then. And this was documented in the Lancet in 2002 article that were attributable to the polio vaccine spreading this this simian virus 40, which which has a tendency to cause cancer in in mammals. So. Um, that was a logical step for us was to produce a documentary on vaccines since we did see that there, here's at least one vaccine that we know has been causing cancer. Mm. And, and what we found is that that's not the only one. No. And when you put, uh, you know, uh, mercury again, mercury keeps showing up, doesn't it? Uh, from the purges uh, of, uh, over 100 years ago uh, with the mercury to the, the fillings with the amalgams that uh, is mercury. Uh, to uh, to many most of the of the injections given uh, have mercury in them that goes directly into our bloodstream and uh, and you know can permeate places where mercury should never be and uh, creating a lot of disruption in the physiology within the body. So yes, I, I totally agree with you there, Ty. And uh, tell us some more here in our final episode. Well, do you want to uh, speak specifically about vaccines, Dr. King, real quickly? I want to speak what's on your heart, my friend. Well, you know, that, that is really because, again, this is this, is this cognitive distance that we, that we face today, you know, with cancer, with cancer treatments, with, with treating cancer with something that causes cancer. Chemotherapy is, is known to cause cancer. Radiation, every oncologist knows, causes cancer. But we look at vaccines, and so we're injecting children, for a large part, with, with substances that we know either damage DNA or cause cancer. Um, or our neurotoxins. So we look at vaccines that make, and, and mercury as well. You just mentioned mercury. So we were, we were told that the vaccines were made mercury-free back in the early 2000s, and now they only contain trace amounts, most of them. Well, trace amounts can still be three times the, the uh, EPA's limit for toxic waste. People don't realize that, what a trace amount is. Mm-hmm. People don't realize that the multi-dose flu shot still contains a massive amount of mercury, which is 250 times the, the EPA's limit for toxic waste. So we, mercury was not removed from all vaccines. And, the, and we also have begun adding aluminum and polysorbate 80 to vaccines since that time. So what's, what's aluminum? Well, it's a, it's a neurotoxin. We know that aluminum is a neurotoxin. We know that polysorbate 80 which is in many vaccines, along with aluminum and along with mercury, we know that the pharmaceutical company uses polysorbate 80 to deliver drugs past the blood-brain barrier into the brain. That's why they use them. It's not like this is under scrutiny or this is debatable. That's the reason that pharmaceutical companies use polysorbate 80 in a drug, is to get it delivered to the brain so that it works better. So we have vaccines that contain known neurotoxins like aluminum, known carcinogens like formaldehyde or antifreeze. We have those same vaccines that contain polysorbate 80, which is actually used as an emulsifier in the vaccine, but it also assures that those substances get into the brain. Mm. So then how can we say that 
the ingredients in vaccines don't affect the brain when the very vaccine contains mm-hmm. an ingredient like polysorbate 80 that is used to deliver the ingredients right. to the brain. Yeah, and but piercing see, the skin with an injectable is so much more uh, super sensitive in the body than yes. having to go through all the filters of through the, of the skin that has or through the intestinal tract and you know, respiratory tracts that are designed to filter out many of these poisons. And I know we're coming to the end here, Ty, but I do want to say go to... Uh, the truth about cancer.com and the truth about vaccines.com and uh, learn more about what Ty Bollinger and the, re- the vital, wonderful research that Ty has been putting together now over what maybe is it three decades or more now? Um, it's actually just under two decades okay. now. So, uh, no, actually just over two decades. Wow, the yeah, years have gone go. by. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Over and, two decades. And, yeah. and that does lead to uh, into our next week's guest, which I want everyone to be able to come by and, and tune into, where we'll have attorney Alan Phillips, uh, specialist in how to deal with uh, the, the vaccines and the encroachment and the demanding of vaccines uh you know, we see this happening in California. Ty, maybe just to touch, where, where, where are these vaccines becoming now uh, mandatory uh, to every child? In the final 30 seconds here, if you can, Ty. Sure. So we're, we're seeing lots of states that are kind of piggybacking what California did a couple of years ago with Senate Bill 277, which mandates vaccines for children that are going to school. We're seeing other states begin to follow that, which is a scary thing that we live in the United States, the land of the free and the home of the brave. But in order to go to school, you must you're forced to take, to take an injection of, uh, of material that are known to damage cellular DNA mm-hmm. and cause cancer. And if you don't, you can't be educated. Yeah. And wrong unproven, here. unproven in, in its uh, therapeutic effects as well. Thank you Absolutely. both, gentlemen. I really appreciate the knowledge gained here today. And uh, Ty, thank you so much for joining us via yes, Thank telephone. you, Ty. We're honored to thank have you. Thank you, fellas. I appreciate it. Join us next week for another exciting episode of The Healing Revolution with Dr. Frank King here on 880 The Revolution. As an author, lecturer, and whole health practitioner, Dr. King has a tireless passion for natural health and empowering people to reach optimal health and wellness. Dr. King's 40-year career as a natural healer is all about equipping you and your healing revolution. Go to kingbio.com to take free personalized health appraisals, including his whole person appraisal and candida test. You know your body best. So take back your health and awaken your healing power within. Learn more about the healing revolution by visiting kingbio.com, where you can sign up for Dr. King's free newsletter and join the healing revolution. With a warning, a revolution never sends you an omen. A revolution just arrived like the morning. Bring the alarm, we come to wake up the snoring.